honestly, I don't really drink much either. Yeah. We really should change the, maybe for the hundredth, before the hundredth episode, we'll change our caption of the podcast as well. <laughs> because we don't ever drink for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mentioned it in our <laughs> caption. Like, I don't I literally don't remember the last time I drank for a podcast. Yeah. I mean, I have sporadically, but it's certainly not enough to warrant it in the caption. Yeah. It's, I, that was, I mean, we started the podcast at a different time. (laughs) We were, we were at different stages in our lives when we started this podcast. But alas, fate has taken over. God damn it. Fate. Well, hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What's up? Watch Robcoms and then record our thoughts and place them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners' listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing on this spooky recording of the episode? Happy fucking Halloween, dude. We are. We don't really celebrate Halloween anymore, do we? <laughs> no, we celebrate by recording a podcast about Rob Cubs. Hell yeah! Day, and then releasing it the day after in November. I mean, Sweet. this this episode is a good way to kick off November. I feel like so. I think we did it. I think we did it right. Our Halloween plans are the only ones that make sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I just, you know, look at it as, you know, fate just kind of took over and led us here. And speaking Guides of us. which, speaking of which, we watched a movie that was all about fate in Serendipity. Serendipity. As, as I said in the last episode of the podcast, according to the stand-up comedian Nick Thune, Serendipity, which is a word that John Cusack ruined. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, this movie here was chosen by you, Max. Initially, you thought you hadn't seen it, and then as we were watching it, you said you might have. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know I have at least seen parts of it because there were certain scenes that definitely I had some uh, deja vu with, like. Um, Let's see. What was it? Something in the beginning. I don't even remember now. That's how. That's how. That's how little of it I actually remembered. So that's why I'm wondering if I've even seen the damn thing before. Um, <laughs> and I, I couldn't even tell you when I've seen it. Um, yeah. I knew of this film. I haven't seen it myself, uh, but I knew of the film where I knew like the, I knew Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack were the principal leads um i knew about that the beginning of the film was set around the holidays although i thought it was more of a holiday film than it actually is it's not nearly as much of a i'm film as... glad it's not yeah 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 because like we thought it might be when we first started watching this we we're just like shit we should have saved this yeah. for another month into december but like it worked out <laughs> we're okay 
Um, it was like just okay. enough of a holiday splash to remind you that yeah. like, oh, the holidays are coming up. Exactly. And like, and we're at that point in the weather where mm-hmm. like we can look at mm-hmm. the lights and like the snow falling and just be like, oh, how pretty. And not like in the thick of it in Chicago. Where we're just like, fuck you, cold. Get <laughs> yeah. the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, you know? It's still so. novel right now. It's still pretty. And novel. Yeah, exactly. Did I tell you I saw them? I saw them setting up Chris Kindle Market the other day when I walked I out of saw City Hall. I saw your Instagram story at the underscore Lionhearted um, on on Instagram, and I saw that you, they were setting it up, and I was like, "Hey, that's cool." Yeah, it's so cool to see that again because we didn't have that last year. Yeah, and you know, right now it seems like people are going to be able to go enjoy all that until you see the COVID cases rising. Uh, Speaking of spooky, <laughs> get your fucking vaccines, people. Yep, get your vaccine in you. Get, get your it, booster. Get that, get that booster up in you. I <laughs> I looked and get that booster up in you. I, <laughs> I looked up my eligibility for the booster the other day, and it was like I just went through the. It has a like a general questionnaire, and I went through it as as honestly as I could. And it was like you're not eligible yet. And then I went back one question and answered it differently. <laughs> And I was eligible. And it, the one question was, do you feel like you work in a place of of office that requires you to have a booster, like, because of your safety? Wow. And I went, yes. Because yeah. fucking City Hall, man. <laughs> I mean... Yes and no. I, I I feel like you could just say that about any public place right now. Right? Like, I have to go into work five days a week and deal with all different kinds of people. Like, I feel like that's yeah. that's that counts enough as, like, I'm not working from home five days a week. So, yes, I do need a booster shot. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, <laughs> or I mean, if I, I work from home and live alone, but I'm a danger to myself. So, yeah. <laughs> Um. <laughs> oh, I opened the window today and someone happened to spit on me. Cool. That would be my luck. I live on the second floor and people like to smoke cigarettes down in front of the apartment. And sometimes I can smell the cigarette smoke. That's a danger to me. Seriously? <laughs> no, no. Not. Well, not. Yes, but no. Like, oh, okay. Because like, like it happens very, very seldom. And on top of that, sometimes it's not cigarette smoke. Sometimes it's weed smoke, which is kind of nice. That's yeah. That's when you open the window up and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Give me some of that. <laughs> which there, that's where I'm a danger to myself. I'm, I'm passing the COVID stick, aka the joint slash bed. <laughs> you're just quarantining yourself from the moment you smell weed. You're like, fuck quarantine. Give me, give me. Pass that shit up. <laughs> there should be a weed strain called serendipity. Um, there has uh, to be one. There has to be. I'm sure that Google that's that. Google that shit, Max. All right, Google all that right, shit I'm, for the I'm people. Weed well, strain yes, serendipity. Uh, uh, serendipity is a hybrid marijuana strain. Boom. Um, let's see. Leafly, what you got? And 
Drum roll. Blah, 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 blah. Um, it says nothing. Nothing helpful. Never mind. <laughs> All right, cool. But it is a strain. So it is a strain. Therefore, it's a hybrid strain. Yeah. Therefore, ergo, we as a society have made it okay. Uh, have achieved what we needed to achieve in this world. Um, it sounds like it's more of an indica strain or indica heavy hybrid. So there you have it. There that um, it gives you a, uh, a happy, peaceful, calm, and lovely high. According to this one reviewer on Leafly. So it's a Bob Ross painting of a weed strain. (laughs) 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 Happy little strains. Yep. And on that note, let's just get let's get into the stats of this film. Let's get into this. Let's get in. Yeah, let's, let's get all up in it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about uh, uh Let's um, talk about <laughs> movies. Wait, no, Bitch. let's let's talk about sex, babe. How could we change that? And now I'm mumbling. Go. Well, yeah, because the syllables are all fucked up if you go mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about film, baby. Yeah, there you go. That was that was the move. That there was the is. move. Anyway. Uh, Serendipity is a 2001 American romantic comedy film directed by Peter Chelsom, written by Mark Klein, and starring John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boy, did it. And, and then they literally don't give a plot synopsis. They go straight to what they grossed and the budget was. So uh, I'll, I'll go the, to the plot here. The plot synopsis is the same as the title. It's just... Serendipity. <laughs> um, I'll give the very beginning of the plot synopsis here. During the Christmas season in New York City, Jonathan Traeger, played by Cusack, encounters Sarah Thomas, played by Kate Beckinsale, uh, at Bloomingdale's while they attempt to buy the same pair of black cashmere gloves. While they are both in relationships, a mutual attraction leads them to sharing dessert at Serendipity 3. Uh, it's actually Serendipity 3, but they don't mention the 3 part because it'd be weird to call the film Serendipity 3 if it's the first. Um, <laughs> I would have I been the one that would have been like pushing for that title in the executive <laughs> meeting. Like, no, I want to confuse the fuck out of people. Let's do it. <laughs> Where's 1 and 2? I need to complete the trilogy. Um, and while at that dessert, Sarah reveals her opinion that fate determines many of her decisions in life. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, chaos ensues. <laughs> how chaos ball. Yes, uh, it's how much do you think it costs to make this film? Uh, let's see, I'm gonna say. T- 20 million not too bad 28 million okay um because it not only filmed on location in new york but it also filmed it it actually filmed on location in san francisco um Mm. and then uh yeah and then new jersey and ontario also reused um 
Why is why is Ontario, Canada, such a hot province to record movies in? Uh, not too far to travel from New York City to Ontario, and Canada makes it cheaper to film. Okay, so it's literally the same reasons that Georgia's a movie making hub now too. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like certain places will give you tax breaks, just like, hey, you know, here's here you won't have to spend as much to make your film here, um, and then and Canada. Then you're also talking about the like money transfer rate. And I still think even though the dollar has fallen down, the Canadian dollar is still worse than the American dollar. Oh, as God. far as like, like you can still get more bang for your buck with the American dollar in Canada still. Um, so, you know, <laughs> there, there's that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's all, it's all monetary bureaucracy, crap you know what i'm saying yeah uh, basically all the all the stuff that jeremy piven's character was talking about when he was talking to, that dude, <laughs> talking to that dude trying to get the the name for the apartment um in the film but anyway uh oh yeah 28 million is how much they spent on making the film how much did it gross in the box office um I don't know. When was the height of John Cusack's career? Is this, are we in it? Is this it? 2001? He'd been around since the eighties. So. Well, when was, and also say anything and, is off the top of my, Oh fuck. 89. Say anything yeah. was 1989. Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? I had no idea. Wow. Obviously, because you're surprised by that. Wow. <laughs> I thought it was like early 90s at the earliest. I, I honestly thought it was like 94 or something. No. Wow. Okay. I need to watch that movie again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say 50 million. It made $77.5 million. Oh, okay. So it did decently. Yeah. Um, it was released initially or on October 5th of 2001 in the United States. So, so getting, getting ready for the holiday season, but that seems a little early, especially when you start off with Jingle Bells and a holiday song by Louis I Armstrong. Mean, yeah, and also... Literally, the film came out slightly less than a month after 9-11. Oh, fuck. Good point. So they probably needed Christmas shit at that point. Uh, and, and that was actually one thing that was uh, noteworthy about the film is that they... Um, I, I don't necessarily think like CGI is the word, but they did uh, take out the Twin Towers... Um, from the filming because they filmed it in 2000. Oh. So any shots Did they, of the Twin they, they actively removed the shots of the Twin Towers. Oh, that's... Yeah, twin, they t removed the Twin Towers from the skyline and any shots of the Twin Towers would have been in. So, um, yeah. Damn. So there's that. You know. Serendipity. Conscious about your feelings of 9-11. <laughs> uh, but not conscious about, you know, 
logic. I, I wonder. Um, I wonder how many jokes went on in the editing rooms when they were like, "I wonder what's serendipitous about this." I got to remove the buildings now. I wonder if they were making jokes about the worst terrorist act in the United States two weeks after the fucking happened. No, dude. They were, they were oh, probably, jokes yeah, probably. about editing that shit. Well, you never know. Editors tend to be pretty. pretty like dark. we just we're twenty we're twenty years in, and we just got to the point where we can kind of make jokes about it the same That's way that true. we make same way we make jokes about like goddamn Abraham Lincoln's assassination. <laughs> That's true. Where it's like you you chuckle at first, and then it's like oh, but still, yeah. I need to go see this play like I need a bullet in my head. Um, <laughs> that's a joke from The Office. God. Yeah, joke. see? Shit like it's that. A great, it's a great joke, honestly. Uh, but <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, so, yes. That is that. Uh, on on that, pretty much. Um what do we got for reviews? As about to go to the Rotten Tomatoes for this film. 141 critic reviews for this PG-13 film that lasts 90 minutes. Ha- what is its Rotten Tomato score? 60%. Wow. What? 59% on her. Oh, Twitter. shit, really? Yeah. Yeah! Super close. Nice work. Still considered not fresh, but pretty close nonetheless. Um, let's get into some of these... Uh, <laughs> these reviews... Um, Tom McCarthy of Variety, considered a top critic, gave it a negative review uh, and wrote, Serendipity will serve as an excellent gauge of any viewer's tolerance level of schmaltzy contrivance and manipulation. I I can't say that word. Contrivance. Contrivance. C-O-N-T-R-I-V-A-N-C-E. Google that pronunciation. Contrivance. Contrivance. That, I mean, it's, like, it's I one think, of those words where you read it and your brain says it a different way. Like it's, it doesn't, it doesn't look like contrivance. But also if you like say it in a different way, like in a different form, like not contrivance, but like, oh, that's contrived. Like I've used like yeah very rarely, but I've used contrived or I've heard that like oh the, you know that was very contrived or blah 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 set aside yada yada but you know all that shit, um, and so the critics' consensus was light and charming. Serendipity could benefit from less contrivances, and then that okay. first one talked about basically this is a test in your level of how do you how, how much are you willing to deal with schmaltz and contrivances and manipulation mm. 
<laughs> Another review uh, by a guy who gave it one out of five. Uh, Rob Gonsalves of eFilmCritic.com wrote, the goofiest movie Nora Ephron never wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic review. That's wow, it really does have a Nora Ephron quality to it. It totally it does. Fuck. It, does. <laughs> it really does. I mean, like this is this is basically sleepless in Seattle. Like, but but like add fate as a character for some fucking reason. Um, <laughs> William Thomas of Empire Magazine, also considered a top critic, gave it three out of five, so it's considered a positive review. Uh, he wrote, there's nothing special or remarkable, but it's amiable and entertaining enough to make you forget that it's directed by the same man who brought the world town and country, which is a film that's considered one of the worst films ever made. And... <laughs> Did, and performed as such in theaters. It had come out like right before this film had come out. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say, I've never heard of it. So that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, Derek Adams of Time Out, uh, also considered a top critic, wrote. Despite borrowing two of its supporting casts from TV's Sex and the City, the film has no bite and too few jokes. Its unabashed romanticism is just plain flimsy when a vapid Beckinsale is supposedly the one. Mmm. Yeah. That, the last part of that one I'll agree with, actually. And the last review we'll talk about is Kimberly Jones of the Austin Chronicle, uh, considered a top critic as well, gave it a 2.5 out of 5. Middle of the road, so it's technically considered a negative review or an unfresh review, much like the 59% this film has is unfresh. Right. But it's very close to the 70% fresh rating, so it's like right on the cusp. Um, and Kimberly writes, ultimately... It's the yin and yang that does serendipity in. Balance is good, but it isn't particularly but it isn't particularly impassioned. Neither is serendipity. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's it's and then mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. No, I I'm with that. That what one I, I kind of like, agree with. So let's launch into it. Yeah, what I would like to do is start at the end. Or toward the end. Okay. When... <laughs> when uh, John... I just realized John Cusack's character's name is Jonathan. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be really um, the name of the film like <laughs> too bad sarah's name wasn't kate in the fucking film or kate <laughs> vice versa kate sarah i mean yeah i mean still both are four letters because they spelled sarah s-a-r-a in this film that's true um, that's true hey sarah dippity uh <laughs> 
John Cusack about the dip in Sarah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah. So, he never questioned, like, supposedly seeing her fucking a dude through the window. Nope. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just thought of that. Like, if, we never came full circle on that. Like, what is there to question, though? Like, you basically, she's there in New York 24 hours later. So even if she was, you have to assume, like, oh, she wasn't necessarily thinking about me, but now she is thinking about me. And so it's all good. Dish. Well, then why even put that scene in there? Like, okay. Anyway, that scene, that scene was weird. It was like, if, if you're going to throw that in there, I feel like there needs to be some sort of resolution, but whatever. Anyway, that's continue. The part of, that's the part of the movie that I want to start off with. Oh, okay. Slash. Like, well, right before that and right okay. before the plane ride, the groom's gift. The groom's is gift. The book. Oh, the book. Oh, the catalyst for all of this. Yes. Is the, the final catalyst. With the name and the phone number in it. The book. The book. And the fact that he receives it from his fiance at the time. To like, so here's his, his here's, facial expression. Like I loved in that. Cause he, it was like, that's exactly the kind of expression I would have in that situation. You're just sitting there going of all fucking things for me to get right now. Like, and, and then of course he write, And then his response to it is, is perfect. Yeah. Like perfect, right? All that to say, that's a, actually one of the few things that's written in this film that I actually enjoyed. It wasn't a lot. That was a good scene, yeah. Um, like, like that that twist there of that she gives him a groom's gift, and it ends up being the book with the like the number in it, um, and it's supposedly a first edition, so it was. Like, why would you sully the value of the like, by writing your name and? But anyway, yeah, it's it's serendipity, dude. No, but nonetheless, <laughs> here's the thing. In a film that's handled by people with a little bit more of a vision, in a film that's handled by. I don't want to like be rude, but by people who seem like they would know what they were doing a little bit more, who were a little bit more willing to not give into the schmaltz and the rom-com tropes that big budget rom-coms give into. That is a fantastic twist to the whole fate interplay that they're giving the entire movie. Like you have, they basically have spent 60 to 70 minutes telling you fate is real. Fate is a character. Destiny is a character. The universe is a character. Mm. Like it, it all mat. Everything matters. Everything is planned in this ultimate universal mapping of life. All of these are players in the grand play. Yes. And and here's fate now giving you this book you've looked for for years. And it's being given to you by the woman that you plan on marrying tomorrow. Mm-hmm. In a in a better handled film, 
there's going to be a, a whole, it's going to be much more of a discussion or possibly in a, a better handle. If you even want to go the rom-com trope, maybe he decides, no, she's the one, the one I'm marrying tomorrow. She's the right one. She found me the book. This is a sign that she found me the book. She gave me the book. Yeah. So therefore, I'm supposed to be with the girl, with my fiance and not with Sarah. So this is how. It could also be. Made... A, the, the other thing is it could also be like a test. Like the universe is fucking testing you. Like here it is. That's... Here's your shit from the past. Do you, are you over it? Are you, are you, do you have closure on it? Are you ready to move on with the next chapter of your life and go off and marry this other person? Or are you still stuck in the past? And to continue along that that line of thought, basically fate as a character telling him, guess what? It's not all just me. You have to make a choice. You have to put some work into this. And your thoughts on fate controlling everything are incorrect slightly. Right. Like I'm a, I'm a part of life. But you have to make a final choice. You're the one who has to, you have to put some sort of work in here. I think, I think the consensus that we're, I think you and I are both essentially driving to, and we'll probably hit on as we continue talking about this, but, and I think they even touched on it a little bit to a point, but I think the thing is balance. Yes, there is. I like to believe that there's some sort of, larger scheme at play here whether it's i'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's some conscious plan necessarily but there's eight billion other people in the world there's all these other universal environmental factors that are out of our control there's all of this stuff working in tandem all of these different things play out in their own ways the way it's just naturally going to work out and you as a human a lonely human in that equation are just one tiny part of that equation. And it's it's arrogant to think that your life is so important that you have total control over everything. You don't. There's all these other factors that come into your life every day that create chaos, for lack of a better term. But balance. Just throwing up your hands and saying, well, life is going to work out the way it's going to work out anyway, so why fucking bother? is is a cop-out it's lazy it's it's a cop-out that i myself have been guilty of in years past too where it's just like it's it's sometimes it's easier to just say fuck it it's i mean 2020 taught us that sometimes it's like you know what i can't fucking predict what's going to happen tomorrow so i'm i'm gonna stop trying for a bit like this is too chaotic for me to control but and i would you still have to try to control some of your life and i would argue that giving into balance is something that someone in their twenties would assume and would say, Oh yeah, you know, fate and life will, you know, Jesus take the wheel. Like this. And so at the time that they meet at the very beginning of the film, it would make sense that they would think that there's balance and fate and everything else at the time that they're still searching for each other though you should probably start having like second thoughts about, is this a real thing? Mm. And so like they're, 
there is some sort of there there are some interesting things about growing up and how time and growing up in life changes your thoughts on love and whom you're supposed to be with there's also thoughts like that there's also ways that you could explore you know the what if factors of past loves and how that you know and how oh, it totally can affect, how it, it can affect before you like finally make a commitment in like a marriage there's there's definitely elements of this film that are worth exploring and this is all to say that they've taken all of these elements and they've basically said we're going to use them to make a traditional rom-com and we're going to make and it's going to be a traditional rom-com on amphetamines because it's going to be super fast like yeah. 90 minutes 90 minutes is it, it's just they turned this into a, a, a fucking <laughs> like this film is not a rom-com as much as it is a detective film like i felt like i was watching a procedural from an like an episode of law and order almost like all that i was missing well this were is like this is where i think this is where i think the acting falls flat because to me i i do not i didn't mind the format at all i think it was actually done fairly well enough for me to be entertained and like it. It was where John Cusack, I knew what to expect, but honestly that review that you read about Kate Beckinsale's acting, I agree with, I think it's like, I don't know if it's the acting or the writing for her, maybe both. But to me, it was like, you didn't, you didn't give me a, I need a little bit more of a character to want to go back to, you know, if he's so obsessed I want to see more of a, a reasoning, you know. You have to, you have to cast Kate Beckinsale in this film, for like in in this role, because you don't give you don't give the story or the character nearly enough time to actually present anything about them as a human being, like. They are. And that's a that's where adding on like an extra ten minutes to the movie could have been good. Yeah, but if you add on ten minutes to the film, then what film are you making? You're making the one where you get introspective about making choices in life and how your views on love change over time and everything else like that. Or are you just going to basically like explain the girl a little more? Well, you could put it in that's tandem with each other. I mean, we've had plenty of rom coms where we've watched like the characters develop in our eyes as the story develops. Like that's not common or that's not uncommon. They could have easily kind of interspersed in a little bit more character development along with this whole undertone of fate and the choices that we make and growth. I love, I loved that theme. I loved the theme of knowing like once you told me that <laughs> I wish they'd told us it had been 10 years, but once you had told me that it had been 10 years since the very first encounter, I liked seeing the progression of like, oh, Kate Beckinsale's character opinion, her character's opinion changes as she grows up. She, whether it, she matures or becomes more cynical, either way, it's, it's nice to see that progression and, and that life lesson that your perspective on life changes. But 
you could have interspersed a little bit more character development other than her just like not wanting to marry this weird Indian pl music playing dude and, you know, moving to San Francisco to be a therapist. That, but that's the other thing. Like it's all supposed and then she falls back into it. Like she's like, she, she's becoming a therapist and she's telling someone in therapy, like, to believe in fate and things like that is, you know, basically foolhardy. Mm. And then she immediately reverts back to that when she tries to chase after John. Because, because in my eyes, without, especially without the character development that we've been talking about, like it's hard to not read into this as just like, okay, yeah, this is in your twenties. This is cute and magical, but in, you know, when you're getting a little bit more perspective on life and you grow up a little bit more, this is kind of just a red flag that you guys aren't happy. You guys aren't happy in your current life. Regardless of who you put a face to or whose face you put to that situation or that reality, regardless, you need to end the current situation. This is why cheating is stupid too, in my eyes. The logic behind it in my brain never fucking made sense. I understand the emotional complications behind it now. As a guy in my 30s who has been through relationships now, who has been through life shit now, and like, yeah, I understand that it's very easy to just comfortably entrap yourself in a situation where you acknowledge you're not 100% happy, but hey, maybe it's good enough. They even say that in the movie a couple times. Like uh, her friend, when they're in New York, says to her, you've got this great guy, be with him sort of thing. He loves you. He loves you so much. It's like, okay, yes, true, but also not what she's getting at. And that's not the diagnosis for the situation. It's not a question of whether he loves her or not. It's a matter of like, is she happy? Or somebody says to John Cusack, I think it's um, Jeremy Piven's character. Um, he says something similar where he's just like, you know, you should does be. He say, does he say something similar or does he quote some random philosopher, Greek philosopher <laughs> who had a thought? There were so many fucking name dropping things in here that like as a college student or early 20s guy, I would have like I would have swooned over this shit, sort of shit like. But so it was a little what, much. That's what I'm like. That's where I keep coming back to. It's just that this, like everything that you're saying, you know, everything, all of this sort of stuff is all well and good if this film actually did it. But the thing is, the film doesn't pay any sort of lip service to any of what we're talking about here. And again, I think that's that's what because for me, I really actually kind of liked the format and the whole storyline. I liked it's this is like the kind of rom com I would fucking be into. Like I dig that shit. The whole like serendipitous meetings and like all the weird signs and shit. But some of it is just a little overdone. And on top of it, I feel like they use it to fill in where there should be more character development or more um, 
I'm hesitant to say realism, but maybe, yeah, I guess realism in the characters, realism in the dynamic between them, or realism in, in who they are, which is character development. So really just, I want to see better writing and character development from that. Yeah, this is where you and I really differ. <laughs> <laughs> because I just think it's lazy as fuck. Like, I just, I find it lazy. Like, it's just, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, like, Well, not, not every rom-com in the world has to be a first edition of When Harry Met Sally. You know, like every other rom-coms can have different. See, I... See, I find that slightly offensive that I like that you're expecting me to expect <laughs> the quality of when Harry met Sally with every fucking film that I I watch. I married Leap Year. I am That's well true. aware Leap Year is a shit film, <laughs> like in quality. But I think Leap Year is fun as fuck because of what it provides. It knows what it is. It knows that it's really pretty Irish landscapes and these two people bickering and slowly bickering less and less and falling in love with each other more and more. Like it understands all of that. Yeah, that's, this, that's true. This film gave us a, a meet cute, gave us a date, gave and gave us basically the quote unquote breakup between these people all within goddamn 10 minutes of the beginning of the film. And then spent 70 minutes basically like do uh, as a law and order episode, which is a joke I keep coming back to. All that was missing were the goddamn clunk clunks between every place that they went to in New York on on what's supposed to be his goddamn rehearsal dinner day. Yeah. For a wedding that he's about to get into. And they're literally doing so many illegal things where he's trying to find <laughs> her information. Like, and like they go through a goddamn applications where people's like, it, like people have probably written down their social security numbers on all of these applications. And they're just rummaging through that motherfucking information by themselves. And because this guy like sold a purple suit to John Cusack. And then they finally find all this information. They, they go to this goddamn painter's house. They find his name and the painter just lets them the fuck in and provides all this information about this roommate he randomly got instead of saying, why the fuck do you even know my existence? Get out of here. Which is what a real New Yorker would have fucking said. Fuck off, you weirdo. I'm calling the cops. How do you even know about me? What the fuck are you doing? And there's so many people who should be getting fired. There's so <laughs> many people who should be getting arrested. And it's all because this Dumbass broad won't just give her fucking name and phone number because she doesn't want to be considered cheating because she's in a relationship with a guy whose name we don't even get. He just happened to be a roommate of a fucking weird-ass painter. You feel better? That's why <laughs> this is a frustrating film because there are bits in there that we have talked about for the first half hour of this podcast where you can actually create something yeah, of quality and of true. note. And everything that we've talked about is as if this film actually did it, but it fucking didn't. Instead, it went the absolute ludicrous route of how in the fuck, instead of, instead of actually being something of quality. 
and that's it. Well, and so it's just I I just don't have patience for this film because it it it, it like it just was like hey we could be better but. We only got 90 minutes. Why do you only have 90 minutes? Cuz. Yeah. They did it to themselves. It's like, why are we watching? <laughs> like, it, we even mentioned it earlier. Why even include the scene of the sister begging a dude if it's not even going to be brought up when you fucking see her in New York in less than 24 hours Again. when you saw her supposedly fucking a dude? Again, there's so much there that I actually do like, but it's like you're leaving out a, a few really big portions that it's like, yeah, that scene is, is you don't need it. So uh, how about we take some of that out? We take some of the many references to the ancients or the Greeks or the Romans or this person or this scientist or this inventor or, you know, let's take out some of those. And let's stick in some better writing and some better character development. And it's like, it so much is already there for me anyway, that it's like, yeah, I, I, I agree. That part is frustrating where it's like, God, I can see the potential of this movie. It had the potential to be a really fucking good rom-com actually. And so th that's what I cling to is for me, there's enough there that I like the bare bone basics of the rom-com structure. I love the premise. I actually like, I don't know if it's realism, realism or cynicism, but either way, I love the whole fate as aspect, the premise simply because I know at one point in my life, I used to really believe in that and feel that way. And especially when it came to, love because it was love is well love always is but the whole reason we started this podcast is because love is fucking mysterious but when you're younger love is even more mysterious and so it's easier to pass it off as some you know beautiful magical thing like destiny or fate or serendipity and it's kind of fun to just ride along with it and see where it leads you and like it, it kind of go along with the mystery like they do in the movie. I love that the, the movie even followed that format, that chase for, for each other. And it's like, yeah, if you suspend the disbelief in a lot of the, the realism elements that aren't there, there's a lot of, there's a lot there for the actual rom-com structure when it comes to relating to a, a, a nice cutesy kind of pursuit of love. But you have to suspend the disbelief a little bit because when you're not in your 20s anymore and you acknowledge that, okay, this is not really how life works and this is kind of exhausting. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't like today I would be like, God, I don't want to do this. Like I, I don't like I just want to like I want to see her. I don't want to fucking play this game. That's it. <laughs> like end of the movie. Yeah. That that's completely it. Like let's they they just pay lip service to dude, you've already done this before looking for that book. You looked everywhere for that book and didn't find it sort of thing. Like what the fuck did she do in the goddamn week after? Like 
This is, again, this is where character development would have made this movie so much better. Because I would have, like, if you're going to show us a snippet of their relationship, of what could be, give us that in the first 10 or 15 minutes. Fucking pack more in there if you want. Give us more of a reason to root for these two. Because they started to. They were smart about not introducing us to their partners. To, they just told us in passing that they both were involved. We never saw a face. We never even heard names. It was just an accepted piece of knowledge. Instead, the focus is purely on them. It's just how they're starting off the development and their dynamic, which is great. From a rom-com perspective, as an audience, we need that. Give us more. Give us even more reason why they're so fucking good together, why they're so cute together. Like that elevator scene, as cheesy as it is, when they're like trying to chase each other and find which floor they're going to land on. And you, you as the audience know that they both pick the same floor, but of course they don't run into each other. So it's like gut wrenching to have to watch like that. The way that's all done. I liked that because it's like, you're along for the ride. You're in You're, you're taking me on this journey, this, and yes, I'm acknowledging that it's going to be a, a give and take journey. It's going to be, gut-wrenching at times but it's also you're it's going to end happily that's what a rom-com i feel like is supposed to be it's supposed to be that back and forth so they give us all this and then like you said they give us a breakup where they go their separate ways so a good chunk of the movie is just about them as individuals you know what that's prime for actual character development Instead of just showing me that she sits down in her therapist's office and tells her patient not to believe in destiny anymore, show me that. Show me how over the next 10 years from that meet cute, her perspective on life changes. Show me why, little snippets of why, so I can relate to it better as a human being. We get a hint of that from John Cusack's character a little bit. We see a little bit more of his character than we do hers. But really all they focus on is like friendship dynamics. And I get that that's a big portion in life too, but like we don't learn a lot about the individuals themselves. And that's where it would have, it would have paved the way for a much more concrete, realistic and founded like actual romantic storyline. Cause then when they finally do meet back up, then it's like, Boom. Okay. Finally, like, yes, I want these two people to meet because I've been watching them grow as people. And yes, even 10 years later, I think they're still fucking good together. They should meet back up. When they don't give us that, I'm still left with the question of, are you guys actually meant for each other? Or are you just using this as a, as like a scapegoat to a, a face, a label as a way to identify your unhappiness? Like, regardless of whether you two know each other or not, Kate Beckinsale's character does not want to be in the relationship she's in. John Cusack's character does not want to be in the relationship he's in, regardless of anything else. That needs to come first. And as a rom-com, I feel like you're... If you're going to start touching on that sort of shit, you can't just not talk about that. That's real life. That's the human character development I want to see. They're struggling with these real world issues right now that like you're 
in a situation that you don't like. They even say it in the movie. Take control of it. Fate is just an excuse to not take control of your life and not change the situation if you're not happy with it. They don't. They never do that. They just run towards each other. And it's like, but but if you want to make it a nice, successful, beautiful love story, then you need to take a, take control of your own life first. And then if you guys are still good for each other, that's even more magical. That's when serendipity actually fucking works. Because then it's like, well, shit, 10 years later... We finally fixed our, or like finally took control of our lives. We've changed as people. We've grown as individuals. And now we're still good for each other. And we happen to cross paths again. Boom. That's serendipity. Moral of my rant is that I love the, the setup and the premise. And I honestly, I love a lot of the qualities in this movie. I just think some of the execution could have been different and i think there could have been a lot more deeper more human character development especially with someone like john cusack like you're just you're begging for this kind of deeper darker more emo character like right for him anyway that was my rant So two things I thought about during your rant. One, if we're if we're if if we're believing in fate and everything else, don't you think a little demon child in a devil outfit randomly on Christmas pressing all the buttons in an elevator is fate telling your bitch ass that you should stop chasing this girl while in a relationship? Exactly. That's that's yeah. Because I've, I've, I've been in that situation before. Like, I've been on both sides of that coin where you're in a relationship and you meet other people that catch your interest and you, you know, get obsessed with it or you go chase them in an elevator and it's, it's harmless. But at the end of the day, it leaves you with this gross feeling of like, Ugh, yeah, but I know my heart is not in the right place. So something needs to change. I've also been on the flip side where it's like, you let the moment pass because it's like, no, I, I made my bed. I'm going to fucking sleep in it because I made this choice and either I choose to change it because that's the thing that needs to be changed or I live with it. That's it. I want to see them actually take control of their lives and change some shit. And here's the second thing that came to my mind. And I mean, I think this is just a difference in how we view things. It is what it is. I look at these films as a fully cooked meal. And I am grading it as such. Does it taste good? Does it look good? So on and so forth. And I feel... Like you view this as not not necessarily as like a fully cooked meal, but like you you're willing to give credit to 
<laughs> like, <laughs> I, I swear, there's, there's, it's going somewhere. It feels like this meal was never cooked, but they bought all the ingredients, and they never gave you a recipe. And you're just like, oh well, you know, that's a good ingredient, and that's a good ingredient, and that's a good ingredient, and that. I mean, I'm sure they could have made something nice here. Let's go ahead and, uh, you know, give it partial credit because they at least chose really good ingredients. I personally, if if I went somewhere and I saw someone just had a bunch of ingredients and didn't make me the meal that I was promised when I agreed to what, like, I feel like I went to a restaurant expecting a meal and then someone said, well, I got all this shit. Why haven't you cooked it? Why is it not here? Why is this meal shit? Like, this is... Like, you have all these ingredients, and then you just, like, it's... It'd be like if you had a really good... (laughs) A really good meal, and then you threw it all in a pot with water, boiled it, and then said, hey, here's some soup. This is soup with shredded cheese... That got boiled and like a chicken that got boiled and like you did you even put salt and pepper in this bitch? Like are there is there any broth? Like what there's nothing there's just like a bunch of shit thrown together here. That's that's what I see and I feel when it comes to this film. And I get where you're coming from. And I, I understand all that you're saying. And I get being able to give in to the whimsy of serendipity and fate and everything else. But I just can't because I expect an actual meal to be cooked. Well, I think we've I think we've talked about this before in other movies, and I'm I'm trying to remember which ones may have brought this up, but we have disagreed on on that the whimsical stuff before. Yes. Yeah. So where there have been plenty of times that you get frustrated by it, I like dive head in and I'm just like, yeah, sometimes that's what love is about. And it's just, you know, let's get crazy. Let's get whimsical and magical about it because, you know, I don't want to let all of myself get cynical because I've noticed a lot of it has over the years, <laughs> but um, not saying that you're being cynical, not saying that at all, yeah, at all. I but I have had to, st- I've consciously had to stop myself sometimes. Like I even had to do it with this movie too, where I'm like, some of these thoughts I, I told myself like, okay, is this, is this maturity or is it cynicism or, you know, and at the end of it, I'm, I, that's why I had to say what I had to say because I like the whimsical stuff if it's done right. And I feel like some of this was to me anyway, but it, it just, there's a lot that wasn't, but I do like the overarching format of that a lot because, you know, love can be whimsical sometimes. I, at least I like to think that there's some, I don't know, a little bit of magic left to it, you know? Yeah, the world gets scarier and, you know, less magical the older you get, but that's one area of life I like to still think that there's, you know, some, some magic too. 
I I feel like that's just a dangerous way of thinking because throughout my life, I've believed that, you know, oh, love is this, you know, whimsical thing and, you know, fate and love. And, you know, you can easily fall into a trap of it'll all work out if you believe that love and fate is something that controls itself and you have no mm. control over. And if you allow that to happen, then you don't put in any work and then nothing happens. And then you wonder, well, why hasn't anything happened yet? And the reason is because you didn't put in any fucking work. You just expected things to fall into your lap. And, you know, unfortunately, through my teens and 20s, like even to now, like I've realized I've never been in a relationship because I've never really put in any work into trying to meet someone because of a myriad of reasons, but mostly insecurity. Um, and so insecurity about myself. And so, uh, with, uh, you know, along uh, all that is to say that the, what am I trying to say? <laughs> like, well, that's okay. So like with this film, I just feel like, you could easily like in your younger days say, Oh, fate and you know, this and that and the other, but he, he like what, what really gets them together is all the work that they fucking put in to trying to chase these signs. They spent a whole day. How much money did they spend in fucking cab rides? How many laws did those guys break mm. in order to find her information? And also, she buys a got she buys two plane tickets to New York uh, under the guise of having her, a, a, well, no, 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 it was filmed in two thousand. I know, so. but <laughs> I know, but I, it's a funny. Jo- that's a funny joke. <laughs> it was a good joke, but. She buys plane tickets and like and is taking her friend to New York for her birthday, and like and so on and so forth, <laughs> just to try to find this guy. Mm. And it's like you're like they the that's what that's story, where it had the, the sleepless in Seattle vibe. Yeah. Well, that's the moral of the story of this film. That's what people need to take from this fucking film. They put in the work, and then fate did the rest. It took a whole fucking day for John Cusack and Jeremy Piven to chase this fucking pipe dream, realize, then they gave up on it, went to the rehearsal dinner, and then fate gave him the book. And we're back to where we started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, that he got the book from the fiance. And so the fiance basically, so so that, that kind of answers my like what I thought about at the very beginning, which is the fiance is a conduit. It's is almost it's almost as if she's fate itself. She's to meant him, to bring the book back into his life too. Yeah, just saying to him, here you go. Here's your reward for finally putting in the goddamn work to find this lady. Because they never tell us how much work was put in after that initial meet cute. So that's what uh, you know. That that's what the story should have been. Of course, this film is clunky as fuck, and it never really works. So, anyway, let's go into. I mean, uh, what? 
I think, yeah, I, I think it's just a, I think we're hitting on the exact same shit we always do actually, is that it's balance, mm-hmm. balance, man. Like, yeah, and, and it's, we're it's okay to let, things. it's okay to let what? And we're touching on a lot of things that, of the, of the reviews that I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And they even, I think they even mentioned that in the movie too, that it, something about balance that you're not supposed to let fate control everything and you're not supposed to think that you can control everything like it's exactly what we're hitting on is that yeah if if they don't put the work in at all then it's like well fate's not just going to do the whole thing for you you gotta like fate already brought them together and had them meet them and have them have a meet cute you know and then you got to put in some work to prove that you want to continue that opportunity yeah shit that i'm always guilty of like the mail room or not the mail room the records room scene where they're thumbing through all the carbon copies and they finally get the address or they finally get what was it the smudged last name but they have an address and jeremy piven is like well i was like seven years ago she's not gonna live there now and they're like they both get downtrodden and like you can visibly see john cusack just like slump and he's like yeah fuck good point kind of kind of demeanor and they're like he's about to give up where it's like yeah i do that shit all the time it's like one little tiny hurdle and it's like well i guess it wasn't meant to be oh well let's give up and then immediately uh what's his name um levy what's his fucking name eugene levy eugene levy how do i forget eugene levy that's our that's our alma mater town um he just says, um, you just do like a, what was it? You do like a reverse lookup or whatever, or you just go to, go to the, go to the rental office and find out who was there seven years ago. It's not rocket science that like, that's a little push that like, even someone like me always needs where it's like a little reminder, like, yeah, this is just a little speed bump. It's not, you don't need to give up. You still need to put in a little bit of work if it's something you really want. So that sort of shit is like, I think that's better to take away from this movie. That it's like, it's a give and take. It's not, this really should be called like serendipity and whatever the opposite is. Um, Tenacity, forcing the issue. I don't know. Like, (laughs) so Right, well, let's go on to what uh, what happens after ever after. Um, what does happen? What happens is the Tennessee Titans have already come back from 14 down to tie the game at 14 apiece. I thought Tennessee was going to win this game outright anyway. So <laughs> I'm pissed that I didn't put more money down when they were down 14 nothing because then we could have fucking doubled or tripled profit on that fucking game. But now... It's tied at 14, and I still think they're going to win. They're probably going to win by two scores at this point because I think Indianapolis sucks, and I thought that their two scores at the beginning of the game were flukes. And I'm pissed that instead I was talking about this dumb fucking movie instead of making bets on the NFL games that are currently happening as we're recording. That's what happens after ever after because this is now 20 years in the future from when this film was made. So let's get to the kiss of the film. The kiss of the film is at the very end. Where they're at the roller rink because it's not the winter, 
but it does start snowing because they do mention the weather. This is kind of quite weather we're having here in New York City. You know, the weather's a little chilly for the spring. I thought it was springtime here, guys. Uh, and then all of a sudden it starts snowing and they and they kiss in the roller rink uh, where they spent that night uh, initially. Um, I mean, I I thought it was nice. You know, it was it was as nice as it as as other rom-com kisses have been it it was as cinematic as you would expect with the spinning and the snow and all so on and so forth and such i'd give it a b minus what do you think yeah i would i'd give it a solid b they tried it was good effort it was a good kiss nothing special Eh, maybe even a we don't see that much of them kissing and, and nothing about them kissing is that great Honestly, I'm uh, this whole time. I'm just remembering, like I, I love Kate Beckinsale. Like she's gorgeous. I mean, that goes without saying. But that's the whole reason they casted her. Uh, they tried. They initially wanted to cast Jennifer Aniston for this film, but Jennifer Aniston declined because uh, she didn't want to be typecast into rom com roles. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Jennifer she Aniston would have been a good choice either. Well, no one would have been a good choice uh, that has any sort of acting chops. This film was basically, I need a really cute model who who is so pretty that it makes sense that this dude would go through all this bullshit on basically five to seven minutes of screen time at the very beginning of the film. And that's the thing. That's the only reason you're willing to go on this jot like, as, a, as anyone attracted to females. Is concerned. That's the only reason you're willing to go on this, John. It's because you're like, Kate Beckinsale is hot, though. Like, it's just like, no, she didn't give his, her number to him. Like, she wrote it in a book. She believes in fate. Like, at some point, you would just say, is this girl worth it? And then you remember it's Kate Beckinsale. You're like, no, nah, she's just hot, though. Again, this is where character development would have helped. I'm not exactly. Say I'm not but- going to say it again, but... That's, yeah, and, that's where and, I wanted it. We've, it's like, we've discussed we've discussed it plenty. I didn't anyway. mind John Cusack's character like that much. He's a little too. He always plays a little too emo for me. But I don't mind some of the shit that he does because a lot of what he does is semi-realistic or at least a little more relatable than just like some perfectly typecast male lead. But it's, it, you didn't match him. You didn't you didn't give him someone who was equally like of depth. Oops. John Cuse John Cuse that gives me big cocaine energy, but like the scary <laughs> part of cocaine. Or not not necessarily like the like the increased energy part, but more of the just like the he's kind of unhinged and I don't know what he's gonna do next, but I just know he's eye on cocaine. <laughs> I can see that. I guess, yeah. That's I, that's all. That's the vibe I've always gotten from John Cusack, where it's just like I don't trust him, and that's how I feel about every time I see him on my foot, on my movie screen. Anyway, you didn't. Did you give a grade to the kiss? Or yeah, I, I said it was B. A B. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's hear your verdict because I think my verdict is pretty obvious on this <laughs> film. But let's hear your verdict. What do you think of this film? Um, I, I honestly like, 
if we're using the dinner analogy, I'm sitting at the table and I've got, I've got a meal prepared in front of me. There's parts of it. Are there parts of it that are undercooked or under prepared? Yes. Are there parts that are flavorless or kind of fall a little flat and therefore bring down the whole, you know, presentation? Yes. But then I sit there and I, I take a broader view of it and taking it all in as a conglomeration, it's got enough that I like it. And I would, I would watch it again. It's, it's, I like it enough that I would watch it again. Is it a Mary? Not yet. I want to see them rewrite a couple things <laughs> as I've mentioned. Um, but it's definitely a fuck. And it's it's a fuck I would probably fuck with more often. Yeah, I kill it. Uh, <laughs> I I did not. I, I just. I you just don't, don't say. Have, you don't, I don't say. Have, I just don't have patience for it. Like I will say that your like what you just mentioned about you do have a meal in front of you, and are there bits of it that aren't good, like so on and so forth? Yeah like that uh, that part makes that works with my analogy initially where it's just like i didn't go to this restaurant even expecting like i don't this isn't a michelin star yeah yeah restaurant exactly. that we went into either like i'm i'm well aware like this is basically i went to a five guys like i like that that i know what i'm getting when i go to a five guys a really fucking greasy double burger that's going to be in my belly for hours upon hours <laughs> like it just and it's not gonna it is basically it's gonna lead to really disgusting farts and shits like i get <laughs> what i came here for uh, but at the same time it just feels like the part of five guys where all the extra stuff that you put on there like the lettuce the grilled onions the grilled mushrooms the the bacon the the cheese everything else had been sitting out for a couple hours it wasn't freshly cooked mm. and so and, and then also the burger itself wasn't made very well and so by the time it's delivered and brought it's just like a ball of congealed soggy mess that you're not sure that you can't really eat properly i'm gonna be so hungry and yet disgusted when i re-listen to this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and so that's just how I view this film. It's just a big ball of soggy congealed mess that has a bunch of elements that could have been good if it was cooked properly or mm. if there was any sort of semblance of care that was provided upon it or if they had just freshly cooked the ingredients and then I had gotten it when it was hotter. I guess it's a cheesy but. sandwich that you left out and started nibbling on hungover the next morning. It's leftover Taco Bell nachos without fresh nachos. Oh, it's just the soggy chips. It's the soggy chips. But it still with, tastes good. With, with, with cold cheese. It still hits the spot, but it's not quite, it's not quite as satisfying as I, as I know it could be. And I know it it's could be. You basically like you pull out a fork, you eat it in three to four bites because you know that it's just like this is this is going to satisfy enough, but I need to just get this over with. I'm not enjoying this. I just need to get this over with. 
Jesus. That is what the fuck this film is. So I kill it. Anyway, we've talked plenty about serendipity. This was a lively conversation. I, and quite frankly, we haven't had such lively conversations about a film in a while. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, kudos to the film for at least providing that today. Fun fact um, is serendipity three is still actually a place. That's dope. Like I'm, I'm literally looking at their menu right now. They have reservations you can make. They have what? They have frozen hot chocolate. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh my and, God. And as far as Bloomingdale's is concerned, I'm sure you could probably order black cashmere gloves online and have them delivered to you much quicker. So you don't oh, have to fucking God. worry about going there. Fuck that experience. Like that's where the internet has helped us greatly. Like fuck that whole shopping experience. So you can find our socials, uh, the show's Instagram uh, at Bromancing the Stone Podcast, all one word together, Bromancing the Stone Podcast. Uh, you can also find our Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod. That's B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. Uh, and then you can find my uh, Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in super. So that's S U P R Market Sweep. Uh, and then you can find uh, my Instagram at Relusa88. That's R E L U S A 88. Then Max. On Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. Wait, is it underscore or period? Your period on Instagram, right? Period, yeah. Twitter is underscore, but I. I said I said underscore at the very beginning of this episode when I mentioned your Instagram. My oh, did you? I, well, I didn't fucking correct it, so. <laughs> Womp, 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 womp. Right. Yeah, well, they'll find it they'll find it it's somewhere <laughs> it's my choice for a film uh this um this will be episode 98 that we're approaching mm, getting up there um and we have something special for you guys for episode 100 um so basically be ready for that. So this is going to be my like last choice for a little bit. Last choice um, of the double digits. Yeah. God, um, triple digit episodes, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, so this film of people going through New York and everything else like that, made me think of a film that I suggested to you a while ago um, when you're trying to look for a film um, or at least like I thought about it, but we never seriously thought about actually doing it. Um, a movie from the mid nineties called one fine day, which has George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer in it. One um, fine day. Yeah, exactly. But like, uh, I've never seen it, but I know like the synopsis of that film. But then I looked at like what watch options are there according to Google. There was just one watch option that showed it was, was going to cost fourteen ninety nine, and I was like, "Nope, fuck." What you. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's nowhere to be found. Basically, is the film uh, is concerned. Um, so because one fine day is, I'm not paying fourteen ninety nine <laughs> to watch it. Uh, I started looking around. Uh, basically, I mean. We should also mention that you chose Serendipity because Netflix had it, mm -hmm. and 
Netflix had Silver Linings Playbook, and we were just happy that we didn't have to rent a film. Yeah, for real. We've been doing way too many two ninety nine and three ninety nine movies lately. So yeah, fuck Amazon like, at this point. You know, I'm not paying for any more Jeff Bezos' goddamn space trips. <laughs> so well, so we're going to use the service that we've already paid for through Amazon, Amazon Prime. Oh shit! This- there's actually included movies still. Yeah, this film is included according to what I saw. If it is not, by the time we watch this, Jeff Bezos is listening to the podcast. In which case, why don't you advertise us or like give us free movies then, you dick? Maybe we'll stop talking shit. And maybe we'll stop talking shit. How about that? Instead of begging, instead of begging to get on our knees and be like, please advertise us, how about we'll keep talking shit on your bald ass until you start giving us free shit? Anyway, the movie's called Intolerable Cruelty, and it has George Clooney in it. That's the whole thing. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. But also, Um, can we get a rocket named Bromancing the Stone now? That's, that's, I've upped the ante, bitch. You gotta give us... If he and Elon Musk go in a rocket together, they should call it that. (gasps) Oh my god, yes! Yes, and then maybe we'll get lost in space, and then we they can listen to our around. podcast on the way up. Yes. Anyway, um, intolerable cruelty has George Clooney and Catherine Zeta Jones. <laughs> <laughs> she dips below the lasers. Um, no, she doesn't. <laughs> not in this film, though. Uh, but yeah, I saw it on there. It just but, seems. But there's it always seems- this. There's always the chance she might. So that's why we have to watch it. Exactly. And it seems innocuous enough to where I think it's a good choice for now because there's not really any other reason to watch a film. Like it's too early for like holiday films. Yeah. We're coming up to the episode 100. As you said, we have idea. We have an idea for episode 100, what we're going to do for that. Um, So we can't really like start a series of something right now. So it's just the good one off in toggle cruelty. Let's get after it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I love how we always assign some sort of reasoning to our, some sort of justification. I feel like justifications are are necessary for podcasts. It it adds something. So um, until then for the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all. We thank you for rocking with us and appreciate your love and support. We will catch you next week. Love you guys. Adios, y'all.